everyone and welcome to Chatty AF, the Anime Feminist Podcast. My name's Amelia, I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Anime Feminist and I'm joined today by Vry Kaiser and very special guest Miranda Sanchez. If you guys would like to introduce yourselves. Yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Vry. I'm an editor and contributor to Anime Feminist. Uh, I do a lot of things all over the internet. You can usually find links to those on my Twitter, at WriterVry, or you can find the other podcast I co-host, at TrashPod. And I'm Marina Sanchez. I am an editor at IGN, and I kind of run our anime content every now and then when we have it. We're working on it. If you want to freelance, let me know. Send me a headline. <laughs> send me your pitch. I'm on Twitter at Have It Grows. That's Have It With a K. So uh, yeah, and I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm Kill Kill is one of my favorite things, and we've got a lot to say about it. And I think that's awesome. Like. My favorite thing about this watch along is it's having me watch this in a very different way I haven't before. Uh, and oh, I've taken like so many notes. I'm like, wow, I should just write about all of this and put it on IGN. <laughs> great. Content. That's sweet, sweet content. <laughs> I mean, yes. You can pitch us if you want, Miranda. Let's okay. <laughs> oh, yes. I think I could probably get approval for that. For anyone who does want to pitch Miranda, we actually recorded a podcast with me, Miranda, and Lauren um, Orsini, the optical journalist, recently, and that is also available in Chatty AF's backlog. I don't remember which episode number it is, but if you if you want to know how to get into anime writing, all the information is there, and we'd love we'd all love to see pictures from you. So, kill the kill. <laughs> Getting back to to this delightful show, which I'm thoroughly enjoying watching, I promise. Oh, no. <laughs> Amelia doesn't care for a show with a lot of TNA. I'm sure what? everyone listening this... is surprised. Nobody saw this coming. Um, yeah, this one's this one's proving to be a bit of a, a slog for me. I'm sorry. Um, but I have to say, I did find this six-episode set more tolerable than the previous six episodes set. And that is the strongest praise I am giving today, I think. <laughs> Brian, how was it for you? Uh, it's definitely trying to say some... Listen, I, I know how to engage with trash. I have a lot of experience <laughs> engaging with trash. So I can say there were things I like. The question is, do those things I like overpower the things that I hate? I think we're going to go into detail on the... Uh, more challenging points so let's let's just look a little bit like what did you really like about these six episodes i love everything with the student council uh i really really enjoy okay. all of the flashback sequences that kind of satsuki is probably my favorite character uh everyone yeah. who talks to me on twitter at uh, at this point is like yeah the show is garbage but like i can't quite give it up because like satsuki though and like i i can understand that sentiment satsuki's really good and i really love all of the kung fu bullshit flashbacks of, of how she assembled her student council like those are segments where i'm having fun and it's aesthetic and it's a good time and also i knew i was here for ryumako but i had no idea that i was also very here for nonon and satsuki who are very good. Yes, that's a that's been fleshed out a little bit, hasn't it? It's very good. Um, I didn't I didn't love the I didn't love the flashbacks, but I do like the fact that there seems to be something bigger going on. It's Satsuki's got a plan here, and it's some kind of ambitious plan, and I don't really get it yet, but I appreciate that there's a bit more going on. But it is. Do you remember I compared it to Utena in the first the first episode? Mm -hmm. And I'm really getting those vibes again. So I. I don't know how <laughs> I don't I don't think this is made for me. Did, do you hear um, the sound the, the, coming from rumbling from the end and, of the world? <laughs> it's it's very that. 
that makes Satsuki into Akio, right? Which is fuck no, very, it makes Satsuki uh, no, into Toga, no, who I still <laughs> no. don't like. <laughs> I, I don't care for Toga. We'll come back to this discussion topic. Um, I really, I really liked actually how Satsuki seems to have a bit more respect for Ryuko here, and she doesn't seem to be just going out of her way to crush Ryuko. She's actually using her a bit more strategically. I thought that was interesting. That relationship is growing in a way that I'm enjoying watching. But they don't spend a lot of time together, so that's kind of bits and pieces here and there. Right, Satsuki's yeah. still kind of a mystery at this point. Like, even though you're learning her yeah. background through the Elite Four, like, her intentions and ambitions aren't really stated. And because of the nature yeah. of Kill a Kill, it's not easy to guess what those are. Yeah, and exactly. And she really only en- gets more interesting. We understand. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to that then. It, it's also like this show, I am not a shonen person. Uh, Seinen and Jose are pretty squarely where my, my interests tend to lie. But the thing I do enjoy about shonen shows is that kind of prickly, that, that kind of prickly camaraderie post-defeat thing that a lot of shows do really stupidly, yes. but when it's done well, it's it's on point. <laughs> and like, I, I enjoyed those parts of the tournament just everybody sitting on yeah. the on the sideline bench like those scenes were fun and i had a fun time yes i completely agree with that i really i enjoy how they're humanizing the elite four of it and making them a little bit more like a little bit more ridiculous which i enjoy i think they've the the visual style of kill the kill is just amazing and i really am enjoying that yeah. the aesthetic is wonderful the animation in these fights are just incredible it's just oh so good, like, oh, so good. i love watching yeah. it so much during the actual combat scenes when they were focused when they were focused on showing off the the, the fighting and um, yes like Ryuko's I still hate Ryuko's outfit but it became like this matter of course thing because the fights were focused on framing other things so it would be a very you know loosely sketched out image of of the amount of exposed flesh she has and it was just focusing on the the gimmick of her opponent or or the you know acrobatics of the fight i started actually having a good time because those they they are well choreographed and well you know well animated in in those segments and i really enjoy i I continue to enjoy the thick lined look that the show has yeah me too but i do want to use that to as an opportunity to segue because not all of the fights were uh of an equal approach i think <laughs> so we had <laughs> so we had um we had four fights and three of them were pretty pretty standard i have a gimmick and this is my gimmick and then one of them was a bdsm climaxing erection outfit and i think we just talk about that a little bit why can he talk <laughs> through the ball gag you cowards <laughs> You cowards! You can't that talk has in a gimp suit. Go to criticism for the last week. <laughs> I think it's the first thing you said about this. Ep- this I mean, uh, it's very important. Suit. You can't. You can't do that. That's like, <laughs> come on. I, I've been Where told... is the authenticity? Kill the kill. Come on. <laughs> I, I have been told that that is uh, a highlight of the dub outtakes. Is Patrick Seitz also taking issue with that? And I enjoy oh, no Patrick Seitz as an actor, so like I feel, you know, vindicated. that's a pretty good anecdote yeah he his i mean the first time i saw it his uh costume because they have that great car episode right that's fun (laughs) i I also enjoyed that i i love the the punch clock villain type stories i think that was my favorite episode so far and you've just got gamagori being really kind of 
principled when he's like, you know, no, 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 we're going to fight on the battleground right here. I'm just the, the head of the student disciplinary committee and I need to help the students. That's my duty. I, I thought that was great. And then he gets into this little pink car and he's a giant <laughs> and he's got his, ti- his hands on this tiny steering wheel. He just got his license. <laughs> he's so excited. Just got his license. Just wants to drive Satsuki around. <laughs> so it's nice. It's great. He just wants to be her chauffeur. And, and that is... He's such a great character anyway. I'm really enjoying him. I don't need to like read into him too deeply most of the time, but his costume is it raises questions. So a lot of the time you kind of get the sense that he's more on the masochistic side of things with Satsuki, like she she kind of controls him. Um but then in his fight with Yuko, it's very much like he's spanking her. And he that we get a good view of that at one point, which was pretty uncomfortable, I think. Um, and he's kind of talking about how he's going to, he's essentially trying to dominate her, right? And it's its such a weird moment and I don't really get what they were trying to say with that and with his character and this costume for that character. So either of you, well, Miranda, you may know already, but Ryan, any thoughts on that? Uh anime is basically never good anime is good at portraying kink 0% of the time (laughs) so let's start with that as our premise okay (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm, as we continue this watch along I'm ever increasingly crankier about the flimsy defense that dudes are also sexualized and get naked because it continues to not be on parody at all yeah it's that's never a defense like it's a it's a goofy defense to saying well it's like "Mm, no Mm -hmm. No, yeah, because like, I, I guarantee you, if any of the women had been wearing bondage gear, it would be way more sexualized than this. Because like Gamagori is is wielding metaphorical penises that he uses right. on Ryuko, but he, his body is so incredibly hidden underneath the the gimp suit that he's wearing. Uh, it, it's never particularly framed in an explicitly like it's framed in a you're a weird kinkster light, but not in a, you are a sexual object who is, who is dressed in this kinky fashion that you are empowered by, because if you would just embrace the way that you're being exploited, you would find it empowering. Uh, So it's, it's not like, and also, you know, no butt stuff though. None of these phallic objects on his costume are in any danger of coming anywhere near him. God forbid. Right. He one hits him at one point, doesn't it? And he looks so affronted. Mm. He he does have the self punishment technique, but it's not. It's uh, also it's yeah. framed. It's framed at a distant shot, and it's and then his, right. his suit immediately blows up to once again obscure his like meat flesh. <laughs> yeah, I think the only one you see at this point the most naked is Sanagiyama toward the end after he gets knocked out, and I think episode eleven, yes. and he's just standing I, there. And, and even I have then, no. Yeah. I have no desire to see a high schooler's dong, but I am yeah. <laughs> just mortally offended that they chickened out with the, the glare over his butt in every single shot. I think there's one that. time when he's like falling, you see his butt a little bit. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty much, yeah. It's it, it's not equal. And no. It's not comparable as well. Um, the way that they end up naked is not treated in the same way as the way that the women end up naked and it's yeah it's it's not great at the same time i was like i think i think we need to look a bit more at how they're using the other male characters so i can't remember his name is it inomuta 
Yeah, Inamuta. Yes. Inamuta, the, the data guy. And he actually gets, he gets put into this kind of really skin tight costume and he's, he's like contorting himself all around. And they, they're treating him like as this, this comedy character in that moment. And they don't seem to do that with the female characters except for Marco. So when the women fight, the women are sexy. When the men fight, they might be funny. Does that make sense? Yeah, that that's true. Yeah. yeah. And it, like they do have a. Br- briefly Inamuta's uh, suit up sequence has like that incredible plunging hip line with his exposed abs <laughs> that I found very funny but then that goes away yeah yeah I, I really liked his costume actually I thought it was really funny and I was amused but it's kind of the women aren't really given space to be comic characters Nuko's funny but not when she's fighting mm. right she's usually just in pain <laughs> yeah I agree. and that's and that's the other thing is the, the two women literally bleed for their for their costumes to work subtle and it's uh, yeah it, I, I haven't really figured out what they're trying to do with this i think that's you know it goes back to what you were saying at the beginning right they're like it, they're trying to say something but it's maybe they're just drip feeding the information and it'll all come clear in the next 12 episodes or maybe i'm just not smart enough that's also a possibility it reminds me of my time working as an editor specifically in college where I would get a lot of freshman papers that clearly wanted to say a thing <laughs> and had only taken freshman comp. Right. <laughs> Miranda, am I being harsh? No. No, I mean, I think you're totally, <laughs> I think you're totally fair. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is like, I was reading a lot about this too. It's like whether or not Kill a Kill is feminist. Maybe we want to talk about this later. But it obviously, like they want to really say something but they're having such a hard time doing it. And like the inklings of what that is are there. And maybe as we keep watching, it'll become more clear to you or maybe it won't. And I think that's still important that at this point, you can't clearly say what they want to do at this point. It's halfway through the show, you know? And they haven't yet. No, that's, I think it's important, isn't it? Like I've seen people describe this show as, well, it's really trying to say something if you have a high tolerance for anime bullshit. But honestly, the anime bullshit has been some of the only fun parts. <laughs> yeah, and like, I agree with that. Again, I am the world's foremost defender of, of The Woman Called Fujiko Mine, a show that people like spent a lot of time uh, dismissing as being unnecessarily sexualized and stupid and you know, grimdark for the cynic of grimdark. And I will fight every one of you in a parking lot. Line <laughs> up, suckers. But... But I just, I'm not getting that here. No, I mean, like, there's a lot of times where it's just, like, when Ryuko is fighting Nonon and, like, her boobs are just flapping in the wind and she's getting blasted with this beam. It's like, why? Like, why did you have to do that? Like, even on my first watch, I was watching, I was like, oh, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this. Oh. <laughs> okay. That, that moment where she's hanging by her braces. I don't what do you guys call those things uh, uh, she's suspenders. hanging by her boob straps mm, okay yeah. yeah she's hanging by them and her breasts are right up in her face which you know is a pretty tricky angle That's, to get and then Mako gets a nosebleed like heterosexual and platonic friends do <laughs> and what a what a convenient segue you're giving me right because that was something I wanted to look at Ryuko and Mako pretty pretty implied at this point that there's something going on there I think like even even I saw it this week, and I have straight lenses firmly on. So, 
It's, uh, yeah, what do you think about those two? I know you were shipping them right from the start, this six episodes. I'm a stan because I'm very angry at the fandom, but also they are very cute and have a good dynamic. Uh, I, I will say that um, if I am going to be watching Kill a Kill, I am going to get all of the lady kissing enjoyment out of it that I can possibly wring. So I spent <laughs> some time on Tumblr this week. Um, oh, the fandom is still is still playing the they're just really good friends you guys saw in the year of our lord 2018 and i guess i have to get a bigger parking lot because i will fight all of you <laughs> it gets worse like of the how could you deny this like like how no they are totally in love mako loves ryuko so much <laughs> it's evident at this point how dare you deny this she she has and the cool that... down hug. That's a shonen love interest trope. It really is. And there was that moment even like two episodes before that where somebody says, "Oh, yeah, somebody says to her, oh, so she's the one who calms you down then." Mm -hmm. Was it Senketsu saying it to her? Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's that's who calms you down. Well, and it's inter And at that moment I was like, this is now undeniable. That's the line crossed. It's become text. Well, and it's interesting and... because I've also seen people be like, "Well, it they, it can't be a thing because the really important relationship is in the show is is between Ryuko and Senketsu, which obviously that is a very important bond. But also, yeah. we're on our shonen bullshit. Um, <laughs> there is always a, a an important platonic and a pl an important romantic relationship. That's mm -hmm. yes. that's how it do. That's how these things do. Why have you never watched anything before ever? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is a very shonen show, and that is such a shonen trope, and it's it's completely falling into that. And I like that they've done it. You know, I have I have my issues with Mako. I think we all know, and I still don't love her as a character, oh. but I do appreciate the. I'm sorry, she was oh, it's never okay. gonna be for me. She's she very Oh, okay, guys. I'm not, <laughs> I don't want to offend either of you, but <laughs> I have come to appreciate the role that she plays in Duko's life. Mm. She kind of strikes me like this is going to sound awful, and I'm really sorry, but she kind of strikes me as the Ron Weasley, um, <gasps> where she kind of brings she brings this orphan family and love and kind of unconditional acceptance. So not quite the same, but that, that feels like the role that she's filling. I mean, apart from the sex, but I don't think that was ever included in Harry Potter. Yeah, objection. Ron Weasley is like two steps away from swallowing the red pill. <laughs> agreed, agreed. Um, so yeah, that's that's my view on Mako. <laughs> of all the controversial things I thought I'd say in this podcast series, I didn't think that was going to be one of them. <laughs> I love airhead characters that have a lot of heart and ambition and like some sort of drive to do something and her ambition is Ryuko and being there for her every step of the way and I just love that so much and it's so genuine that's all it's 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 so it's very <laughs> sweet and cute it's and by the way it's speaking of the hug I really do enjoy um Ryuko's monster form uh, this show is very good at appealingly grotesque designs and i wish they it did, did it more really well yeah i was thinking that as i was watching it it was it's the first time she's been allowed to look really unappealing i think and they've done that before like there's that moment at the end of um oh is it jack hazard no no right when she um 
when she gets really furious with Duco and she just stops looking cute at all and they really play into that and Nonon is so fun Nonon is is a character archetype that I enjoy a lot the the what character archetype is that um the I'm a little shit to everybody except one person who I just lavish affection upon (laughs) (laughs) I I enjoy that yeah and it was nice to see someone with ties to Satsuki before like she keeps making that point as well she's like well my relationship's different (laughs) yeah and I think I think that's quite sweet (laughs) um but she uh she's probably the closest to Satsuki as well because she actually does command an army of marching band girls which is similar to the one star uniform boys with the bowl cuts I think and her uniform is is restrained like I liked her uniform it was cute yeah, and I kind of wanted to bring that up because I'm not sure why she of all the all of them was not sexualized because there's one scene where they I can't remember what happens, but she shows up. Oh no, it's as a child, I think, and all the boys are clearly in love with her and they build her the sandcastle and then later we see her in, going into the the battleground and everyone's blushing or something. And so she's clearly she's popular and people are attracted to her, but she's not sexualized within the fight. Mm. And I think she's the only female character we've seen so far who's not. Uh, Nui too. Right, we should probably talk about that. <sighs> uh. you want to kick this off? That, I agree. That is, that is my other my my other point is that okay, fandom. If you would like to tell me that Ryuko and Mako are just good friends, I'm gonna be a lot meaner about this character, the evil, depraved queer person. Are Gone. you kidding me? <laughs> it's like her her entire deal is that she is a sociopath and hits on Satsuki and Ryuko and also is is a murderer for, you know, shits and giggles. Yeah, it's not really clear what her motivation is yet. She's just cruel. I... She's she's weird because like at oh, this point really? we don't really have a clear-cut villain and then she comes in and we're like, "Oh, okay. You you want us it's to her. not like her." Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've made it very clear that we should not like her. Yeah, and and the fact that even though I like Ryuko and Mako very much, uh, the fact that their relationship is very... In this very sexual show, their relationship is very cute and chaste, other than Mako obviously thinking Ryuko is hot. And then uh, Nui rolls in and is just double entendres all of the time. So the fact that she is so explicitly into girls and so explicitly sexual and also the explicit villain with no redeeming traits whatsoever... Excuse me, kill a kill, we need words. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact is that you've got you've got several kind of like you said, you've got Mako and Duko and you've got Nonon and Satsuki and then it but that's all subtext and so it does it does look a bit bad and I was kinda of hoping that there would be more to her character, but now I'm questioning that because it doesn't so, sound like I mean it. there's more, but by far, she is the worst character of Kill a Kill. Like, I hate her so much. Every time she's on screen, I'm like, please just oh, wow. go away. Like, yeah, I don't want to hear your voice. I don't want to see your face. Like, granted, her design, like, I think it's also unique in that she's not sexualized, and she's very much Lolita, cute, bouncy it, it's girl. A, and... It's a good design, and it's got that very, um, I'm sorry for ref- referencing Kill Bill, because Kill Bill steals from so many, like, real kung fu movies, <laughs> but it's what I can think of right off the top of my head that has, like, the famous eye-gouging scene. It, it was very bad. Right. <sighs> yeah. Which, which Most... like, I do enjoy her design, and then there's everything else about her. Yeah, she's so manipulative and an actual terrifyingly cruel villain that 
yeah, we just haven't had to this point, and I guess if, like, Kill Kill was going to do a villain like this, they would go over the top, just in accordance with everything else that's happened, but I just wish she were different. She's yeah. different in so many ways. I want to point out one positive, though, mm-hmm. which, like, if, if the other girls being interested in girls were actually more textual mm-hmm. and I'd, I'd argue that Yuko and Mako is pretty close but yeah. it's not it's not completely textual then actually we've got a range of female characters here mm-hmm. representing quite diverse motivations and kind of approaches to live competencies that kind of thing like that's that's something that I would normally be looking for mm-hmm. in a shonen style action anime it's a little bit frustrating that uh, that segues, I think, into something I wanted to talk about. With uh, last watch along, I mentioned that very obviously this show has a thing to say about uh, consumer culture and Marxism. Uh, that continues yes. to be more and more true. But as of this series of episodes, I wanted to talk about specifically how it, why it's chosen fashion. Well, I don't know why, mm. but the fact that it has chosen fashion. And, like, on the yeah. surface, you know, there's very much this... I can see why people are like, well, look at all these strong female characters who are fighting one another. That is cool and a feminism that it did. <laughs> um, but structurally speaking, I think it's cracked from the foundation up uh, because it's choice... Now, um, it might turn out that there is something I don't know about, but it seems like from here that the big bad in control of everything at the top of the food chain is Satsuki's mom. So, Ragyo, right? Yeah, Ragyo. Yes. Who all I can think is Ragu. Uh, and it was very amusing <laughs> for me. Uh, I had a good time with that. But so Get the enjoyment out of it that you can. So we have, we have this power hierarchy completely composed of women. Um, all we've seen of the resistance movement so far is dudes. Uh, these dudes who are fighting the power of these gosh darn women. Yes. And meanwhile, you've chosen... Of all the systems of capitalist exploitation and, you know, uh, down the, the downtrodden worker, you've chosen fashion, a thing that is most, uh, an industry that is most specifically tied to women and things women enjoy and get benefit from, from capitalism. And rather than, like, talking about nuanced views of ways one is adorned and how certain types of clothing can be exploitative versus not the very fact that Satsuki's mom seems to be at the top of this food chain and this entirely women controlled thing, because, you know, we women are just, just the women and the femmes are exploiting themselves all on their own while the dudes are outside the system. And, you know, meanwhile, fashion is by and large a male controlled industry. Um, You know, there are, it's one of those statistics where, you know, four in five w- women are in on are on the ground floor. The manufacturers are women, but once you get up to the people who own labels, you know, at a big fashion event in um, in Milan or whatever, you know, maybe four of the label owners are women in an entire show that contains upwards of twenty designers, that kind of thing. And I yeah. see no indication in this show that it is like Utana, where you know it seems like there are all these powerful women running the show and oppressing one another uh but at the top there's this asshole dude who is benefiting from everything i don't get a sense of that here it doesn't seem that self-aware to understand that uh hi the uh okay uh 
drink patriarchy. I think that's a really good point. Yeah. Like genuinely, I've been trying to look for the uh, the message of the power of clothing, um, which Princess Jellyfish does a really good job of addressing from a very different angle. Yes. And so I've been I've been kind of trying to to approach it from that because it's a message that I think is really important. I really like it. I think there's a lot that this particular show could do with it. But I think you're right. I think actually it's it's presenting some much more problematic messages. Well, and that. I I know that um, the second half gets into more like vaguely gets away from this rejection of clothes and gets more into we have to work with clothes and so like kind of thing. Uh, but I'm not quite sure how it can execute that message it, it seems like something designed to focus on ryuko and senketsu's relationship rather than to dig its way out of this hole it's presented from like this this inherent misunderstanding of how this industry it's chosen to focus on works i could be wrong i would like to be wrong randa you have anything to add to Just that i don't want to say anything yet mm. okay, it's gonna wait okay. another six episodes <laughs> 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 all right so it is it is doing something in that space um, which is good to know mm, okay, we'll, okay see. we'll come back to this <laughs> we'll, come, we'll come back to this right you also wanted to talk about just the general concept of capitalism because it's got that one episode i think it's episode seven <gasps> so what happens in this episode is that uh Ryuko starts her fight club. The club does really well. Mako is the president. And as a result, as the club does better and better, her family's status gets elevated higher and higher and they move into wealthier and wealthier circumstances. And as a result, her family becomes uh, devolved into silos and becomes much more uh, separate. And you weren't too thrilled with this one. I, I remember. hate <laughs> this trope yep. so okay. much. Um, positives first, compliment sandwich. Uh, I really, really <laughs> love Mako's uniform. She looks so oh. cute. Yes. I have and I was... her dendrite on my desk at work. It's my oh. favorite. Oh, that's so cute. Oh, I want one. I love figures. <laughs> they have a, they have a piece where she's crying so you can put her tears on and it's just like Why that waterfall. That? It's, no. it's so cute. Oh no. <laughs> no, Mako's I a actually... good girl. She's so good. I actually really enjoyed seeing her fight as well. Like, that was really fun. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, something that I had not expected to happen at all in this entire series. So it, that was that was a nice surprise. Um, but the actual yeah, premise it's... of the episode... Oh, and, and also her, her, her brass knuckles with her name on them are just so good. <laughs> They're so good. Those come with an android. We need to get you some of those. <gasps> Ryle also has four <laughs> letters, you know? Oh my god, just give it to me. <laughs> Please. <laughs> <laughs> I need. Uh. Um, and and I was really really looking because you know Mako is that sort of character who you're just waiting for their focus episode to come along. So I was really excited to to have a Mako focused episode, and then it focused on my least favorite trope in the history. Well, not my least favorite. That's that's surprise gender reveals. Fuck that trope. But this oh, one is yeah. down there. <laughs> this this one is down there. Um. So explain a bit what you what you took issue with so strongly. Yes. Um. So this is one of those episodes about the empowering nobility of being poor, because the episode starts with with Ryuko being really really happy that she has found this family and everyone is so close because they have to you know they all eat dinner together in this cramped 
tiny rat infested apartment, but gosh, they're all just so happy together because they realize what's really important. And then as they get more, you know, because this is an theoretically meritocracy based society, as, as the club does better and better, they like, like you said, Amelia, they move up the ladder and they become increasingly distant from each other as they become more wealthy. And then, which, so, so it ends with, Mako giving up her her status as the president, disbanding the club, and they go back to their shithole apartment. But gosh, they're just so happy because they have each other and they realized what's important as they eat garbage. Because yeah. really, I mean, like, we're not poor, but those poors, gosh, they really have something special, don't they? They just really have something that they understand because they can barely afford to feed their family and worry about having a roof over their head. I've been poor. I have never been hand-to-mouth poor, but I have been, oh god, can I pay the bills this month poor. And yeah. it is not ennobling. It sucks. It's stressful. It, the anxiety has like a constantly low-key degrading effect on your health because you're worried about being able to provide for people you care about. Which, by the way, takes up a lot of time that, you are, that, that these shows yes. insist that you're, you know, theoretically should be spent appreciating the time with your family that you're worried you won't be able to provide for. So I really, really hate this, this trope about like how poverty is ennobling and how the attempt, the desire to attain financial stability and comfort is somehow evil. And like, I get that it's playing into this show's ideas about how capitalist systems are inherently, you know, poisoning because, you know, Satsuki's whole thing is like, well, will you become part of the system or will you reject it? But it's such a long, 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 long break between this episode and, you know, we got to that. That is that was at the start of this crop of episodes we're watching. By the end of this yeah. crop of episodes we watched, they still hadn't gotten around to that whole we're dismantling the system. Nobody else is starving to death nobly for the sake of this uh, comrade. And like, I hate it. I, I hate it. It, whatever it is trying to say is so divorced in terms of, of plotting structure and pacing from the the overall themes of the show that it just comes across as like, you know, be happy with what you've got. And, you know, really, you, sh you should be content with it because you know more than us. Um, really, really, no, we suffer up here at the top. We're, we're all just so alien. I hate affluenza, boohoo, poor rich kid stories. Fuck off. Yeah. And I think we need to we need to point out that Luko's home actually seems pretty. She calls it a she calls it a mansion, and that is not the Japanese like block of flats mansion. She uses the word yashiki, which is an actual mansion. So she has come from a fairly wealthy background, we can assume. And and Mako says to her, "Oh, you are, are you are you posh? Basically, I'm sorry, British, but she she basically asks, are you a posh? Right, right. She asks if she's an ojo-san, right? Ojo-san, yeah." And she says, oh, no, not me. <laughs> we just we just had a mansion. And so she's come into Marco's family life and she appreciates the the closeness of the family, apparently, although that does include Marco's dad, like assaulting her. But never mind. We'll just forget. God, that I hate it. Hilarious. That is part of what yeah. makes her sad later is like, oh, yeah, that that we're all rich and gross. distant. It's like, let that me just look out the window and see if they're gross. they're peeping on me. I oh, hope so, because then I wouldn't here. be alone. It's like, what? <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's horrendous. Um, and so Yuko's come into Mako's life, and she kind of makes this judgment call for herself that they were happy when they were poor. And like you've right, I've been 
like I've, I'm fortunate because I have the psychological safety of my family has a home, you know, my, my parents own homes. So worst case scenario, if I ended up homeless, I would be able to move back in with parents. So I'm not saying that I experience the same kind of poverty, but I have been broke to the point that can't pay, pay rent, can't buy food. Like that yeah, no, same. I, I have definitely had the benefit of, of a family who would take me in if worst came to worst, but, but still. Yeah. Right, right. I think you offer like, such a yeah. value perspective for this too, because I don't think a lot of people pick up on what you found from this episode at all. Like my mm-hmm. first watching was like, oh man, the system's real shit. And yeah, it gets and I think that's clearly... and poison. And like, I, I get what they're trying mm-hmm. to go for, but yeah, the way that they go about presenting it is really gross. Yeah, it's and, and what I was go what I was left with is that actually one level up, they were really happy. Yeah. <laughs> so the point at which they seem to have like financial stability and a comfortable home, but not yeah. be at the point where they were so wealthy, they actually seem pretty pretty pleased with themselves and pretty pretty happy as a family. So I I don't understand why it had to be one or the other when that didn't seem to be the case at all. Well, I think it, the problem was also with it, them exploiting Ryuko to fight essentially for their money. Mm-hmm. And yeah. putting all this pressure on her to maintain this club where Mako was just, you know, doing her best to crunch those numbers and get to the front of the room so they could have that that glint in their eye. But uh Yeah. Yeah, they're but that made me kind of uncomfortable though, because again, Yuko's kinda of come in and she's made this judgment call, whereas actually Mako and her family are fighting to maintain that lifestyle. They're fighting to reach that point. Right. So Mm-hmm. There's, Yuko has just decided that's not what's best for them and like okay we're, we're kind of shown that it isn't yeah but... and I think it's it's fair for her to call it's like this isn't what's best for me either like I'm not happy mm-hmm. yes. I'm alone and you're just yeah. using me like a dog to fight in these things for your money yes yeah, that there is. But that isn't the point that she makes yeah. is it it's that this isn't best for you the happy family has gone the, there is true. like mm-hmm. clearly what they're trying to talk about with is is the exploitation of the worker, you know, once mm-hmm. you reach a, a certain degree yeah. of remove. And, you know, I can theoretically, I, I can theoretically appreciate those elements, but it's, it's kill a kill doing the same thing that kill a kill has done for me. Every time I find something that I, that I find interesting is that it will have this idea that is clearly a good one. And then it will just wrap it in something really lazy. Like, like the noble poverty trope is well-worn and really lazy <laughs> And it's yeah. it's sort of mucking all over these genuinely unique, interesting ideas about how Ryuko is exploited and about how, you know, Mako and about Mako as a, as the business person who becomes increasingly alienated from from the human element. Yeah. So and that would have been a really sorry. Oh, sorry, ahead. I would say what I've gathered at this point is when mm-hmm. you go to Trigger and tell them, hey, guys, <laughs> you tried. <laughs> but what if you redo the show in ten years and make it like the show that it could have been? I yes, I, I can go. sympathize <laughs> with with that. Is like because I can I can see why people who found this show at a young informative age really want to hold on to it for those good ideas. Um, basically, what what the, what Trigger has done is that they have taken a bunch of diamonds and then just fed them to a dog. And then they have served me the results. <laughs> and because I am not the late great divine, I am not interested in this. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, we're starting to Waters get an idea of how out the show. <laughs> that is. Uh, yeah, it's. it's The longer we go on, the more we get an idea of what the show is about. And yeah, as Miranda said, we're halfway through the, the series. 
And I'm surprised actually that it seems to have gone down the tournament route. I don't know why I'm surprised. Maybe because I associate that so much with Shonen that to see it without a male protagonist is really like surprising to me. But it's so yeah. It's, it, mm-hmm. it, the thing with Kill a Kill is that it is it is a shonen, and it tries to do everything <laughs> its own way that you would expect to see in a shonen. And, like that's Kill a Kill at its core. So mm-hmm. those will keep coming, which makes it sound really appealing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> I mean, it, why don't I love this? I love shonen, and it is. I uh, on that front, um, I don't think it executes well, but I can uh, I can appreciate it on the same for the same reasons that I love that I love Samurai Flamenco, which is a show that really loved using pastiche to to make its commentary points, which I think Kill a Kill also wants to do in some respects. Yeah, I'm. there is stuff that I've enjoyed about it that I hope it builds on. Um, like, Rai, what would you say you're hoping for for the next, next six episodes? I, just... <laughs> I want to spend more time with this these ensemble cast members that I enjoy. Uh, you know, because the character fo- focused moments that aren't uh, that aren't focused on the exploitative framing, I- I've had fun with those. That there are some like genuinely endearing bits of character writing in here. Uh, I I really enjoy getting to know Satsuki. You know, Ryuko is a good protagonist, and I enjoy her and Mako's dynamic a lot. Um, boy, I hope this mooch. It's uh, <laughs> so so like those moments. I, I want to spend more time in those moments without getting shaken back into the unpleasant reality that, oh yeah, I'm watching also the lazy part of this show. I don't, honestly, of all the main cast, the one I really don't care for is Senketsu. <laughs> like, he's, he sure is, is a device. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was something that was quite interesting, though, is that I, I c- had expected it to be just, uh, Yuko gets stronger. When actually, Yuko learned versatility in her powers, which I thought was a nice way to approach it. So she, she effectively learns a new skill in each match. And that that made it more interesting, I think, because in your, your typical shonen, they won't learn new skills in every match. They'll, you know, just power up the things they have or they'll use their brain or something like that. But the fact that it changed so drastically, got to admit, though, really hated the knives costume. That was hard to watch and not go, oh, come on. But I enjoyed the, um, when she she changes the shape and she makes Senketsu huge and uses that to crush the guy. And it just, it's showing her having more power, I guess, in her relationship with Senketsu, which I would like to see more of. And I think it's good that they addressed the, the idea that she can be controlled by Senketsu, but it seems like Senketsu completely lost control and then they morphed into something unrecognizable and creepy and in mm. some ways it reminds me of soul leader which you know is is a shonen that okay. i enjoy which which yes. was very much about that intimate teamwork thing which 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 is not I, which i really enjoy me too mm-hmm. so I, I will say shout out to i i really enjoyed the monster ryuko design but like shout out to putting senketsu's teeth right over her crotch in like a devil man level of we're afraid of vaginas <laughs> <laughs> that is true i hadn't thought about that yeah you're absolutely right <laughs> it is so weird how this show wants to say an empower and then has all of these 
like emblematic hang-ups of the anime industry going on. It'll be so interesting to see where it goes from here. I'm very I really want to see how Yuko and Senketsu's relationship develops. And it seems weird to me that Satsuki and Junketsu don't seem to have a relationship. Junketsu doesn't seem sentient. So when I I don't know if that's going to change. Well, and I mm. think that's a uh, and granted I know a little bit. I I know one or two oh. like I said vague spoilers, but like I think <gasps> No spoilers, no spoilers. Well, but but I think it's evident here that that Ryuko and Senketsu's relationship of working together rather than attempting to master clothes or reject clothes, like the fact that they have a bond yeah. that is symbiotic is clearly is clearly key to where the show wants to go in its second half because obviously it has to restructure what it wants to say because it's reached the end of the first half right? Um, and has to change notes. Uh, I still, now that it's no longer funny stripper scenes, I don't care for nudist <laughs> beach. Like you fuckers can go away from praying, fr- from like creeping and, and manipulating on these teenage girls, please. Oh man, Bride, do I have some news for you? <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh... Yeah, it's... And I think it's a really good point, actually, that you made. It hadn't occurred to me. Like, this this is great. I'm learning so much. Mm-hmm. But the, the, you're right. The fact is that Nudist Beach is just guys that we've seen. And they are approaching taking down the this matriarchy that they've identified in, in quite a typical masculine yeah, way. Yeah, there's, there's even a point at the end where... Uh, I forget who says it. Where is it? That they're like... Uh, I couldn't even touch those three women, not even close. It's like when they get like that, they're not even human. Yes. Like, That's right. <clears throat> yeah, I can't remember the guy's name, but it's the one with the mohawk. Yeah. yeah. Oh, do you mean the dude who came, whose introduction to Ryuko was, was angrily, forcibly holding her at gunpoint and telling her to strip? Do you mean that yeah. guy? <laughs> that guy. That guy. Yeah. Like, I, I will say, kudos, the sexual menace was, far, was, was extremely downgraded in this section of episodes. <laughs> Well done, Kill the Kill. Well done. Oh, yeah, Kinagase. Yeah, they don't say his name very often. <laughs> Mohawk guy. Yeah, yeah Mohawk guy. Mohawk guy. Mohawk guy and stripper creep. And discount <laughs> Akio, as I will I'll take to calling him. <laughs> Akio, wow. Yeah. So we, I, I kind of want to see where that goes, but like you, I'm a little bit concerned now <laughs> and it doesn't seem to be adding too much to the story at the moment Which but is, hopefully all will be revealed over I, I'm also pretty certain that Satsuki's on her way to becoming a sympathetic character who we're supposed to be rooting for but yes but also like, like really <laughs> I, I really I'm most intrigued by Satsuki I think at this point I want to know what her plan is she's being really Machiavellian and I'm intrigued and she's uh, a more interesting character than I thought she was so I'm yeah I want to know where that's going and now her mother's been introduced and it seems like there's an even bigger picture with her magnificent gay hair oh my gosh that I was amazing I love Ragyo's introductions every time she's on screen like they just give her such an incredible presence like the music's fantastic like just all the lighting they do like everybody just even everybody on the screen like how they're positioned it's just such an incredible like spectacle to see her on there yeah and she has a black assistant which mm. i'm i'm not sure yet how that's gonna go but it did make me go oh she had a very cute design and cute glasses mm-hmm. yes and so we'll see how subservient she is and how uh how tropey that gets oh well, boy but I, it was noted oh boy <laughs> kill the kill's gonna handle it with the utmost delicacy i'm sure <laughs> 
<laughs> but it was it was of no I mean I always notice the POC characters mm. in anime whenever they show up I'm like oh, yeah me I too I want to follow you it's like oh thank mm. you so <laughs> I have my Leo Leo de la Glacia yeah. eat a bag in my backpack just ready to go I have all these <laughs> pins adorable go Leo <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Yuri on ice, but yeah. So if they if they do more with with her assistant, I'd like to see that. But that's that's pure self indulgence here. That's got nothing to do with the story. That's just because I like to see brown characters in anime, and I like to see them treated well. Me too. Uh, so I understand. It's it's the same feeling of hope and then depression I feel every time an Okama character shows up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. <laughs> so let's uh, oh. let's prepare to be depressed together. <laughs> uh, what one more thing I, I will say about uh, Ragu. Who, who who has a fabulous <laughs> accent or, or entrance yes. is that I had a, a moment like a shook moment where I was like oh my god Rebecca Sugar watched this show because yeah. um, be, like the way that Yellow yes. Diamond is framed in, in Steven Universe feels very like um, like Ragu's entrances with, with the very imposing framing uh, without any of the sexualization yay Steven Universe uh, but but yeah I was like oh <laughs> oh they watched this show they also watched Utena that's mm-hmm. so interesting. They watched. Oh, oh they watched so much Utena. Good God! Yeah. If, if I, if if I drank every time there was an Utena reference in Steven Universe, I would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> so let me ask you, Miranda. Apart from the the fact that we segued to both Harry Potter and Steven Universe in this podcast, did anything surprise you about our discussion today? Or for you, you rewatched these episodes for the first time in a while. Did anything anything surprise you? Um. Or was it more or less as you expected? I mean, honestly, I think it was just a wonderful time to get some different insight and perspective that I don't, I haven't heard really. Um, and I'm very intrigued to see what you guys think about what's going forward. Um, a lot of my notes were basically about, yes, identifying points that it tries to do, but also at the same time fails to do. Because like, as we keep coming up on these things, like, Kill Kill wants to do so much, but as Rice is kind of in a lazy way, like maybe this is what they thought was best at the time, but ultimately the end result isn't as effective as it could have been because they go like maybe the most tropey path possible, um, which is a lot of the show. Like, honestly, it's like about taking tropes and making them their own, sometimes failing drastically. Um, I am glad you guys like the Elite Four a whole lot because They're I think really good. just Satsuki and <laughs> her good. team are like the highlight of the show for me. Like they... I, I love Mako, I love Ryuko, but when it comes down to it, like I look to the late four and Satsuki for like what I love about the show. Um, so I'm excited to see what you guys think about them going forward. Uh, let's see, what else did I have? Um, yeah, more about Ragyu too, because she's got a lot coming up. I mean, this next, this whole next chunk just kind of does like a thing similar to Grin Lagan where it, it like you build this world for so far and then something happens big turning point and it's just a different show like there's just so much oh more that's to what it. I can say about this show that's what I can say about Kill a Kill I respect its attempt to try more than Grin Lagan's yes <laughs> interesting I've not I've not seen Grin Lagan so what do you mean by that uh Grin Lagan is a show I watched all of it, it's a show that is clearly made with a lot of love by its creators so it's easy to get like swept up in the big shonen emotions of it while you're watching it. And then if you take like even a fraction of a step backwards, you find yourself thinking, oh, this is dumb. This is dumb and there are phallic <laughs> objects everywhere. And also the writing is kind of lazy and shallow. Oh my god. Which like, kill a kill makes me angry. 
But I can respect the points where there is a good show desperately trying to get out of it. Like, to desperately chest chestburster its way out. I respect that to an extent. And Satsuki is also very good. Satsuki and all of her team. Yeah. I completely agree. I'm enjoying them very much. They're probably my favorite part of the show as well. Apart from Yuko herself. I think Yuko is, for me, what makes it. Mm. I'd be quite watching happening. I'd be quite... I'd be quite happy watching <laughs> a show where Satsuki was the main character mm. but given that Satsuki's not the main character like if it weren't a character like Yuko I'm not sure I'd be able to, to continue with it and I'm already struggling like Yuko's great but I am struggling but if a character's good then I will follow them pretty much anywhere and Yuko is just so <laughs> unusual within the anime main character landscape for, for female characters so I very much appreciate that about it that you seem to be having with Kill la Kill the same struggle that I had with Citrus before finally dropping it was like what a good what a good unusual punkish main character surrounded yes. by sexual menace <laughs> that's exactly the experience I'm having although I am still watching Citrus so I haven't started yet no no I've been do you like <laughs> sexual assault no <laughs> oh, okay no. start from episode 6 <laughs> yeah that's kind of what I heard in an yeah. instant it was like Ah, uh, what if I don't watch it though? Like, is that that's probably fine. I have six other Yuri shows fine. in my back pocket that I could that you could watch instead. That are yeah. not citrus. <laughs> let's, let's go for those instead. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Everyone has deal breakers, and for me, it's always going to be tough when I see like women's breasts like being made a focal feature of an anime. That's always going to put me off, and whether or not it's a deal breaker does depend but like I mean they would have lost me extremely early on with this one because it's combined with sexual assault and it's combined with kind of general rapey feelings and it's just it it really is unpleasant but I know for you right it's uh, like the way that they approaching queerness is really getting under your skin and the way that they're approaching class as well and it's yeah, I think it's there's something for both of us, but there is also stuff that has crossed our not necessarily deal breaker because we're still watching. But if I were a casual viewing, I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be watching. Anymore. Yeah, I, I will. One more thing, I would like to put out into the universe that I'm almost positive won't happen because uh, I, I <laughs> have on. seen Darla. Fr I, I am aware, excuse me, of Darla Fran, <laughs> um, and it's just not in Trigger's bones to not ha believe in the genders. But I would love to see that this. You know, to see Kill a Kill play with literally anything with gender play. L because, like, clothing and presentation is one of the only ways anime knows how to deal with gender ambiguity um, and, and, like, gender queerness. And so, like, there's a, there's rife, there's, like, rife material there in a show that is about clothing and presentation and, like, sure. bodies and clothes bodies and clothes and people you know you should all just get naked excuse yes. you some of us <laughs> rely on clothes for, yeah. and like the but so like i don't think kill a kill is going there but it would be nice it would be nice yeah. and i think that's a really good point i'd like to see that too but we are in tournament mode i think we've got another tournament coming up so we'll we'll see how that goes duco fighting people presumably outside the school system mm. Not I sure. just, I just hope she punches Discount Akio in the face like a lot. <laughs> I want it. Okay, and on that, on that predictive note, um, 
thank you so much both of you for joining me today um if you want to find our work it's at animefeminist.com we're on twitter at animefeminist we're on facebook facebook.com slash animefem we have a tumblr animefeminist.tumblr.com and of course we have a patreon patreon.com slash animefeminist this is how we pay everyone who contributes to the running of anime feminist including writers editors administrators um we're paying everyone but we're still not breaking even and we're nowhere near covering the cost of some things that we really need like premiere reviews so if you can spare a dollar a month it really does add up if you go to patreon.com slash animefeminist and send us a dollar a month to continue our work, we'd really appreciate it. And if you send $5 a month, then you will get access to our Anime Feminist private Discord server. So please do, please do help us out and support our work. We really appreciate it. Um, thank you so much to Brian Miranda and we will be back next time with episodes 13.